My name is Brandon, and I am our Connections Pastor here at the church. I thought it was appropriate as I'm uh, coming on to teach this morning that I wanted to welcome all of you, greet all of you, greet all of you that are joining us online, and bring a weapon with me. I have uh, a little thing to share with you because we're celebrating families, kids, and so I went into my uh, child's room this morning. This will all make sense, I promise, by the end of our time together with one another. We're going to be talking about arrows, and so it was important to bring his, what is called the faux bow, all right? This is obviously not a real bow and arrow, but I'm telling you, they make these things better than they ever have. Like, this is a Nerf toy that look at how far this thing truly will fly. Oh, that's going to hit somebody, sorry. Um, uh, I don't know how sorry I am. I obviously brought it and expected it. Um, now, so you, the, those of you that are watching online, I'm going to see how well my aim is. Going to get a little high and see if I can hit that camera, dead center camera. Let's go. Okay, that wasn't bad. That was much better, <laughs> much better than first service. I'll tell you that. I actually hit like five feet in front of him um, <laughs> on first service. But here's the deal. As much as they make these great new toys... I mean, Nerf guns, come on, when we were growing up, they like did the little gun and they shot like maybe, you know, maybe a foot in front of you like that. It's, it's pretty impressive how they make these things. But what we would know, um, because we're all smart people here this morning, is that if it was a real bow and arrow with a real arrow, there's a lot more aim and a lot more that you can get after when you are specifically looking at a target to aim for. The reason why is if you've ever been to an archery class or if you've ever gone and gotten some tools and coached up on it is the way you retract the bow, the way you release it, your footing, <laughs> the, the way you hold that bow. There's a lot of art that goes into it to make sure that it's going to go a certain distance and nail its target. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Because we've been in a relationship reset series for the last seven weeks. We're actually closing out that series today, but we have been on target with a lot of different areas, have we not? Um, we have been focused on talking about relationships and the dynamic of marriages, the dynamic of relationships that God has put into our sphere of influence and how we can grow in them. And I believe God is doing a work in his church. Can I just share with you that there are marriages in this church because of this series? This is conversations not only that have been taking place of the many weeks we've been meeting, but we just launched sprint groups here as a church recently. And even in our circles and huddles, I can already hear stories that have been invading us here as a staff over the last week of marriages that are healing. There have been marriages, literally, they were getting ready to serve one another divorce papers, and the Lord is healing those marriages. They are getting restored. That's something to clap for this morning. There, there are marriages that uh, are coming together and realizing we want to be baptized. We want to put, um, uh, just celebrate in front of our family, in front of the people that uh, have dedicated their lives to coming alongside us and supporting us. We are now serving the Lord. I, I love that we get to be with you families this morning. It's such a beautiful celebration to come alongside you and the decisions you are making to say that we are going to chase after God no matter what. That's what our family will be about. And so just a beautiful thing that God's doing our church. I got to share as well, there have been other individuals that have been, you know, they've been cohabitating, they've been just living together, and they're being convicted to say, you know what? This has been a contractual thing between us. It's time to make a covenant with one another. It's time to move forward in covenant relationship that God's designed. We're going to get married. And that's what's happening through this series. That's what God is doing in the midst of all the relationships 
and how he's touching each of our lives through this. So there's some great stuff. And what better way then than to conclude on a, on a, a teaching that surrounds who we have the most influence over? And that's the young people in our lives. And you don't have to just be a parent to have influence over a young person, right? Many of us, God has placed us in positions, whether we're auntie, whether we're uncle, whether we're a grandparent, maybe we're serving in a specific area here in the church with young people, or that's part of our profession. Maybe we coach a football team or a basketball team or anything that puts us in the lives of young people. I'm telling you that today's message, today's teaching is important for all of us to hear because I think all of us need to consider what are we aiming for? When it comes to the lives of our young people, what's the target? What's the goal? And that's what we'll be talking through a little bit today as we take an opportunity to just close this out. I also want to say this just as a, as a footnote, and it's really not a footnote. It's actually a real highlight of what God's doing and imprinting at our church. The reason Hills Academy was launched here is because it, it was a continuation of what has been birthed in the heart of this church since it's been planted here. And that's to matter for the next generation. We want to be a church that invests and says that the next generation is vital. And so Hills Academy is no just happen chance. It's something that God has imprinted from day one and now just getting back to those things and what he's going to do through this. So this generation is vital, and it's vital how we lead them. I want us to take a look at our aim. So if, your Bible, if you have your Bible this morning, I want us to turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in the 127th chapter today. And catch this. This is one of two psalms that Solomon writes. If you're a Bible nerd and if you sort of just like digging in a little bit more, a lot of times we read the psalms and we're like, well, that's King David. I'm going to read a psalm that David's written. And David did write a number of them, but Moses actually wrote one of the psalms. We see that the sons of Asaph wrote some. And David's son Solomon wrote two. Now, the Bible says that Solomon was what? Many of us Bible nerds know this, too, is that he was the wisest man that ever lived. That came out of God's mouth. And if that comes out of God's mouth, then it's probably pretty important for us to actually listen to the words that Solomon has to say. I think we could find some knowledge or some nuggets in far worse places than to get them from Solomon. So here we go. Psalm 127, verse 1, goes like this. Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it, build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. And everyone that loves naps said, Amen. Behold, Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Here in this psalm, we see a metaphor. Kids are like arrows. Kids are are like arrows. I love Solomon and his wisdom because he's so wise in the way he writes things through the scriptures. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but he's constantly using words that actually form pictures in our mind. He didn't say, don't be lazy. He said things like, go to the ant, you sluggard. (laughs) Look at the ant. Look how the ant lives. Look at how hard they work. 
How do they have all the food that they will need? Is because they constantly are putting food away. And he just gives this good word picture, doesn't he? He gives us these good word pictures to look at. So instead of saying kids are important, kids are vital to the, to the future and to the area that you uh, inhabit, he's saying instead kids are like arrows. And where that takes me, I don't know if your imagination takes you here, but it, it makes me think of this archery range. It makes me think of our family as this quiver that we have. The job of me, the job of you as a parent, the job of you as a person that's influential in the life of a young person is to think of yourself as an archer, as a warrior, as someone that's getting ready for all of a sudden, this firing in all cylinders, arrows, arrows. I don't know about you, but when I think of arrows, I think of the bullseye. I've watched me some Disney movies. <laughs> I, like, I like Brave and Merida aiming for that target. It's the bullseye, right? It's the, the, the mission that you're after, the center of the target, the mark you're trying to hit. So what are we focused on when it comes to our parenting? What are we focused on? What's the bullseye for those of us that have influence in the life of a young person? And I'm not just, again, talking about adult to child, child to adult kind of relationship. God has placed you in the midst of a young person's life somehow, some way. So what's our aim? What are we aiming for? I want to share a couple thoughts this morning. The first thought is this, is to honor the arrow. Just jot that down. Honor the arrow. Now, we don't need to honor the Nerf arrow. Some of you are still dunk it, duck it a little bit, right? I don't want to get hit by it. But if it was a real arrow, this guy's a psycho up here on stage shooting real arrows, right? Because we honor that. We honor that it's a weapon. We honor that there's a sharp tip. And the tip of that arrow, if it <laughs> hits you directly, you're making an ER visit. There's an honor that comes with holding that weapon and honoring what you can do with that weapon. And so the question then becomes, are you honoring your children? Because if kids are like arrows, do you bring honor to that relationship? And maybe another way to say it is this, do you see your child as a blessing or do you see your child as a burden? Do you see your child as a blessing or do you see them as a burden? Because if we're to bring honor to our kids, it's going to mean that we need to think of our kids as God thinks of our kids. How do I think of my children? What comes to mind when I think about them? That's a definition box of life for you, that children are a blessing, not a burden. Because what does Solomon say in verse 3? Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, not fruit of the loom, that's underwear, fruit of the womb, a reward. Children are a blessing. Children are a gift. They're a reward. Now, when you look at that verse, that means despite the circumstances that you may have had a child, and I know there's a lot of nuance to those stories, when a baby comes, it's a blessing. When you're raising that child, in all of those difficult stages, in all those tough years, it's a blessing. Some of us that have the teenagers, and they're in the teenage world, and it seems like it's drama to the hilt, it's a blessing. And some of you that have the adult children now, those adult children that have maybe popped back home and then left again, right? Right? 
and you're just trying to come alongside them and navigate their world right now, it is a blessing. And I know, I, I, I'm a parent, so I get it. Some of you are already thinking to me, blessing. <laughs> Spend a little time with my kiddo. You don't know anything that's going on in my child's life. You know what? Five minutes with my kid, and I promise, Brandon, they will be a burden to you, right? I'm not going to call bullseye, Brandon. I'm calling bull mm, fill in the blank because parenting's tough. And yes, parenting is tough. I know, and I get those of you that might be rolling your eyes right now. But here's the deal. Believe me, I know it feels like a burden. I know it feels like a burden because parenting is just crazy. It can feel very burdensome at times. You know how much I miss our first five years of marriage? I, I miss the five years that Jenny and I had in marriage for the first five years because we didn't have, Elodie came after about four to five years of marriage. And those five years were so nice before kids. I mean, it, it, was, it was beautiful just in the sense of like, hey, do you wanna go out tonight? Let's go out tonight. Do you want to go on a trip? Let's take a trip, and we could just pick up and leave. You want to run naked around the house? Let's run around naked around the house, right? You could, well, maybe that's just me. Okay, sorry about that. And then that was a horrible image for you this morning, evidently. But, but, but the reality was is you had that kind of freedom. You had the ability and the freedom to do that, and then the kids come into play, and then it seems like it's just everything to get the babysitter there, right? just to have a date night, just to be able to get away and pull away and do something. And I, I love it how we even do that because now you're paying the babysitter and they're making more money than you have to go out to eat dinner. Like literally we're going to McDonald's. Yay, what's the baby? Well, they're eating good at least. What well, we paid for them to watch our kids for a couple hours, right? And, and here's the deal. If, you're, uh, if your marriage exists without kids, there's no screaming at a restaurant. There's no crying and yelling at a restaurant. There's no talking about Dora the Explorer or anything like that at a restaurant, unless your marriage really stinks, okay? If that's the case, I'm sorry. But when you have kids, that's just the reality. Those kinds of things are always going to happen. And then the sort of, oh, we're feeling judged, feeling like people are looking at us, our parenting, and that's just in public. Because then you go home and you're trying to tell your kids, hey, it's time for bath time. And you would, it was, it was like you were telling them to go to war or something or that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chop your head off because they scream like bath time is the way, I don't want to take a bath. And they're crying and they're running around. And in, at least in our house, inevitably what happened is then a kid would be the one running around naked, drawing on a wall, doing their thing because that's just what bath time meant. It moved from the, the adults to the kiddos, right? And now we're just tired. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. That's what happens with kids. It's crazy. I get it. Parenting can feel so burdensome. And I think it's a miracle. Let's be fair. I think it's a miracle of those of us that have walked out of those stories. I think it's a miracle of those that you're living in it and you're going to walk out of those stories. It's a miracle any of us made it. And so I get the, oh, it's a blessing versus a burden. Yeah, right. Some of you singles that are in the room, some of you that are looking to have kids. This is all great birth control, by the way. Okay? <laughs> This is just great birth control. But look, at I think we have a difficult time differentiating blessing from burden. It's because they're both heavy. Burdens are just naturally heavy. They just naturally have weight with them. 
But the blessing also has an amount of weight with it. It has a lot of weight with it, in fact. Why? Because we're looking to be influential. We're looking to be people that do make a difference. There's no other relationship or circumstance or situation that is going to allow you to have the influence that parenting does. I want you to think of that for a minute. If you're a parent or you're in the life of a young person, they're going to read their Bible one day. They're going to go to church one day. And they're going to hear that God is Father. Or they're going to hear that God is associated with motherly qualities. God is all of it, right? He's the perfect one that loves on us like a mother dotes and loves. And he's the perfect sacrificial individual in our lives, the thing that fathers and men are called to be for their families. He embodies all of it. And so one day, your child's going to associate with that. And your child's going to either get the accurate picture of God because of you, or with great difficulty, they'll get there in spite of you. And that is heavy. That has weight to it. There's a blessing that comes with our children, and I get that it's heavy and it's weighty. Because essentially, I am representing God, my kids, to you. And that's where we all live. The heavier that blessing is, I believe the stronger we're going to need to carry our faith through that journey. The more faith we're going to need to have to see it for what it is and to see it for what it's not. To see the responsibilities that do come with it on our end, to see the responsibilities that God carries every day with that. Because he loves you, he loves your kids more than you do. And that's a flippant thing or maybe a churchy thing to say a lot, but it's the truth. 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we do not look at, we, at what we can see right now, the troubles all around us, but we look forward to the joys in heaven which we not, have not yet seen. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. I'm going to argue you need to see more faith in your parenting because if you look at the job of parenting without faith, all you're going to see is the problems. All you'll ever see is the problems. All you'll stay focused on are the aspects that are burdensome. But if you begin seeing this huge responsibility in faith, what you're going to be able to navigate is this idea, oh, potty training, so heavy right now, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah, there is. Because those of us that I walked through potty training, it seemed like it was going to last forever, and then it just, it's done. I have had so many individuals that have come into my life, empty nesters, and they'll speak into my life, and especially now that we're starting to navigate the teen years. I can remember when our kids were really little, and they would highlight time after time the things that were just drudgery to me because I was living in them. They're like, hold on to these moments, Brandon. They're going to get older. And they, they, they looked back on their years with fondness. And just the ability to say there was something going on there. And there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day in each of our lives that we have this influence over young people. And we're going to wish they were running around naked riding on walls. We're going to wish that they were singing Let It Go 500 times a day. I promise. I know that seems way far off for so many of them. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I know the words to this song. We're going to miss it. And so we can't miss the beauty of the mess. Because that blessing, it's all around you. 
It's all around you in the lives of those young people and how they see the world. Yeah, it feels like a problem right now, but children are not a burden. Children are a blessing. Oh, Brandon, okay, how old's your oldest? You have a 14-year-old. Oh, okay, yeah, well, just wait. Because now she's getting it. She's a freshman in high school. Just, she's getting into those teen years, and yeah, that's where the hell begins, okay? You know what? Respectfully, I think you're seeing it all wrong. I don't even have the teenager, but respectfully, you're seeing it all wrong because God, they're made in the image of our God. They're made in the image of our King. And that gives that teenager with all of the drama, all of the bitterness, all of the things that they feel like they have the answer. They're in process, just like you are in process. And God sees intrinsic value in their process and what they're walking through and what they're struggling with and how they're trying to build their world view. That person, that teenager has been entrusted into your care and they are full of potential blessings. If you would just put some faith in it. You can clap for that. That's a good thing to clap for. They are full of potential blessings if you would just look at them and see them as God sees them. The second thing you need to know, there are a lot of different arrows, a lot of different arrows, but only one target. What I love is each of us could walk into Cabela's right now and we could go back to the hunting area, could go back where they have the bows and they have the arrows. And you, any one of us, if we were looking for actually a very specific arrow or something that we would want to go target practicing with or just shoot some, uh, some small animals up with, I guess, 180, aerial, 180 arrows on the spot we could look in because that's how many different kinds of unique arrows they have. Those are going to be either in stock or online that you could purchase. 180 different kinds. Why? Because there's just a uniqueness to each one. There's, there's a difference to each one, how, how far one will go. What, what are you looking to specifically hunt? And the arrows in your quiver are also different than the arrows in my quiver. And in fact, even in our own quiver... The arrows are different. They look different. They see the world different. And that's how it is with our kids, right? And the people we have influence over, they, they come with different temperaments. You know young people that are actually shy and just a little bit more reserved and some that are just out there and want to be the life of the party. There's some of the arrows that we uh, have relationship with that are really good at a specific thing. Some that just love medicine or love math or love sports or love the arts. There's gonna be some of the arrows that grow up to preach a sermon, and there's gonna be some of the arrows that grow up to be a movie star. They're all different. And can we agree that not every arrow should look like every arrow? Not every arrow needs to look like every arrow. Elodie's our 14-year-old, and when she was seven years old, she was 14 years old, okay? She was just older, man. She just saw the world, <laughs> this, little, this little wee nothing was just this little mini adult. And so then we had Camden. He's our 11-year-old, and he's a 7-year-old as an 11-year-old, okay? I love that about that boy. But here's the deal. Sometimes I don't love that about that boy. I was really convicted, even in just preparing this. Why? And I've told you my story. Part of, part of it is because I raised myself quick. I had to grow up at seven, eight, nine years old. I had to provide for this guy. I had to look out for number one. There was a lot of things that I had to adult before I was meant to adult. And I look at that 11-year-old and I want him to catch up. 
We were enjoying just guy time yesterday. Just the boys. He's a superhero guy, so we're going and seeing our superhero movie, and all he wanted to do afterwards was talk about superhero stuff, get in battles when we got home, do the thing. And I love that the Lord has placed me with my wife because she allows me to gain in that sense. When I just like, dude, if you do this on your middle school campus, I'm worried that you're going to get beat. And I go, I go to those places, and it's like a reset that the Holy Spirit uses this relationship and this quiver to reset my mind and say, you know what? Don't let him grow up too fast, Brandon, because that's his whole life. Let him be who God's made him to be. And that's for us as well. Some of us in the young people in our life, we want them to do things that we want for them, but that's about us. That's not about them. God is doing something in their life, and that makes it not just a good thing, it makes it a God thing. The proverb that tells us, train a child in the way that they shall go so they shall not depart from it. I've talked about this a lot. It's not just simply about let's get the word of God into our kids. Let's get them to church. Let's pray with our family. Yes, for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's about training them according to the way God's made them. And that's what you have to figure out. You have to figure out how God's made that young person in your life and not look to change them. That's not your job. That's God's job. Your job is to train them. Train them as God has made them. That's your job. And God has his job. So different arrows, yes, but the same target. Lots of arrows, yeah, but not lots of targets, right? Because the purpose of every arrow, regardless of what it's like and its differences, at the end of the day, it's meant to achieve the same thing. You aim for what you're looking to hit. You aim for a specific target. You're looking for the bullseye. And so the million-dollar question is, what's at the center of the target? What's the bullseye? What should we be aiming for as we approach with all of these different arrows trying to get them pointed towards the same thing? And I just say, let's, help, let's let Jesus define that for us. And Jesus defines it as this in Matthew, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, all of these things will be added to you. You don't seek the sports schedule first. You don't seek, you don't seek the activity first, the scholarship first, the school you want them to attend, the academics first. All those important things, all of those things are ingrained in us to be important things, but that's not the first thing. If you follow Jesus Christ, the first thing we do is to have them seek the kingdom of God. There is nothing more important than that. There is nothing more important than evangelizing our children, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus. That's our job. Because if we fail at that, we are going to fail no matter what we do. We'll fail. And so as we seek to do this, We've got to refix, reset our aim. If you feel like that's been steering, and again, I get it, it drifts. It can drift to other things that just start taking the place of God's rightful throne. That that drift is taking place, reset the aim. Make your aim them having a relationship with Jesus Christ. The last thought for this morning is arrows are weapons, and this is war. We're in a battle, we're in a crazy battle. I love how Solomon, again, he's choosing the illustration, and he's not choosing it by just happen chance. Like, he's choosing this for a specific reason, that arrows are a weapon. They're meant to be offensive, 
not defensive. He's not talking about a shield here. He's talking about raise up children. Children are like arrows to go out, to take new ground, to go win the battle, to actually take names because they're an offensive weapon. And I know, I get it. Some people are looking at the world today and they're saying, oh, we're so disturbed about the world and it's so dangerous and it's just this crazy kind of world. I've had these conversations with individuals that the world is so messed up to bring children into it. Are you kidding me? Why would I do that? And I want to challenge you this morning to reset. I want to challenge you this morning to reset your thinking and to flip that script a little bit because what if we went into this messed up world and we were sending difference makers into the world? What if we were going into world with individuals that have their relationship with Jesus Christ so intact that they're not questioning their identity. They're not questioning who they are in Jesus. They're not questioning any of the things that so many of our young people are struggling with because they know and they know and they know and they know in the recesses of their soul and heart and mind that they are a beloved child of the king, that they win the battles, that God is going on behalf of them. What if, what if Moses' parents said, you know what, ah, bringing kids into this mess, are you kidding? But come on, man, like we're slaves in Egypt. Now we're supposed to be in the promised land and no, this is all happening. It's Have you heard of what Pharaoh's doing? Pharaoh's throwing babies into the river I don't want to bring a child into this world. They're going, to, they're going to drown or they're going to get eaten by a crocodile or all of these things that could happen. What if his parents said that? No, thank you. But Jochebed and Amron, they said no. We're going to have faith that the baby has a destiny, that the baby has, has a future, And so they sent that child sailing towards the mission. And they didn't know what was going to happen because, again, they were still gods more than they were theirs. And they believed that that child was was going to be something, that that child was going to be a leader and not a follower, that they were going to be the head and not the tail. And that's who we serve in our kingdom, is the great king that rules over all, that has created everything That gives you the breath of life, even as we're here right now. And so they imagined in the life of their child something that they couldn't even seek to explain or seek to ask the Lord for or seek to to want to manipulate and tweak as a parent. They just trusted in faith. See, when God, there's a quote here. When God sees that in this poor old world, a wrong needs writing or a truth needs preaching or a benefit needs inventing, He sends a baby in the world to do it. And if you don't believe that, 2,000 years ago, he did just that. (laughs) The incarnation, baby. Our great God sends Jesus Christ into a world that was sick with sin, that was messed up beyond repair. And God's solution was to send his own son as a baby, as an arrow, ready to strike and ready to go to war and so that arrow that was aimed on the target and the mission which by the way was the cross and that broken body and that shed blood that would go to the cross would then defeat death because that's what arrows do they go and take names 
And he went and took names on the behalf of his people and said, all of those that put their faith and trust in me alone will have everlasting life. That starts here on earth and that lasts for eternity. Praise God. Praise God. If anyone, if anyone, and this is you now, this is you as a child, as a son, and as a daughter. If anyone should put their faith and trust in him, they shall not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, I will have eternal life. If that's you today, all you need to do, say, Christ, I'm ready. I'm ready to be an arrow for you. I am ready to follow you. I'm ready to give my life to you. I'm done living life on my own. I'm done living life aimlessly wandering, aiming for all the wrong things and never hitting anything. Lord, you're the target, and I choose to chase you and follow you. And if you do that, you will be a change maker. You will be a way maker, just like Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us, I dare you. I dare you to be the leader of your home that will look at the young people in your world, not just in your four walls. We're not all parents here. We're not all parents online. Those young people that are the, in the sphere of your influence, I dare you to believe that God is calling you to empty your cup into them, to send children that are entrusted in, under your care that they will go and change the world that in relationship with their maker, they are going to reset the trajectory of relationships for our universe. <laughs> Seriously, that they are going to be the individuals that, that go into, into places that are dark and that don't expect an arrow to seep through and, and, and plunge into the, the hearts of men and women to, to be able to say, wait a minute, I have purpose and I have meaning. And, and yes, there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of trial that's come here, but God's redeemed all of that to do something new, to take new ground, to have new power. And I dare you to put in, put in your life something that says, I'm going to put something else in someone else's life that is all Christ-centered because I believe in them so much. Because when that happens, when we become the church and we become this, in this 10-mile radius and well beyond this 10-mile radius, are you kidding? That's too small for God. <laughs> when we become the church that is raising up the next generation as the vital form, all with Jesus, this world is going to change. This world is changing because of that. Praise God. Would you pray with me? Father, give us courage Help us to step across the line in faith, Lord, that we don't have to have all of our I's dotted and our T's crossed that we want as parents because sometimes fear is what drives us away from doing the thing you've called us to do, Lord. So, Lord, in the name of Christ and in the broken body and the blood shed, Lord, and the resurrected Jesus, would you crush those fears? Would you give us boldness and courage that we can know that you have come to make a new thing, that you have come to do a new thing in each of the lives of our young people. Lord, may we build this quiver full 
of young men and young women that are so in love with Christ, so in love with their identity and who you've made them to be, the very unique blend you formed in each of your kids, that they will go forth in the name of Jesus. They will be the engineers and the physicians and the pastors and the educators that they would go forth, Lord, and be world changers. This relationship reset is all about you redefining what relationship looks like. That it's not about death, but it's about victory and meaning and life. And so, Lord, help us. Help us, those that are responsible for those young people. Help us raise them up and to do that very thing in this place. And Lord, we're going to give you all the credit, we're going to give you all the glory, and we're going to keep going after you to make your name famous, Lord. We thank you for this morning, we thank you for what you're about to do, and we pray all of these things in the great resurrected name of Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.